everybody. Welcome to the Geek Generation. I'm your host, Rob Logan, joined in the studio today by Damian Crenshaw. Hey there, everybody. Hello, and this is our Back to the Future celebration. For those of you who don't know, and I don't know how you could avoid it at this point, it is 2015, and October 21st, 2015 is Back to the Future Day. Because in part two of Back to the Future, that is the date that they travel forward to into the future, which is now our present, which is so weird to think about. Mm -hmm. But it's here. It's here. It's here. I've been waiting to do this episode. I I know. (laughs) You've been jazzed like all year. We need to do this and this and this. And the research is done and we have so much to talk about. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the movies kind of as a whole, as a trilogy some information about them, some background about them. And then we are going to explore a lot of the technology that we have in 2015 that part two predicted, some of which they got right, some of which is maybe part of the way there, and some of which we're still pretty far off on. But we'll take a look at all that in the later part of the show. So getting into kind of the inspiration for Back to the Future, I was reading an article where Bob Gale, one of the writers and producers of the movie, was talking about it. And his initial inspiration, uh, he said that I was back in St. Louis, Missouri, visiting my parents. Searching around in the basement, I found my father's high school yearbook. I'm thumbing through it, and I found out my father was president of his graduating class. I didn't know this. I thought about the president of my graduating class as someone I had nothing to do with. I was head of the student committee to abolish student government. So I thought, gee, (laughs) if I went to high school with my dad, would I have been friends with him? So that was the idea I came back to Los Angeles with. So it was mostly like it wasn't necessarily a time travel movie. It wasn't the initial, hey, let's make a time travel movie. It was, I wonder what my parents were like at my age. That was the inspiration for Back to the Future. Totally. I feel like everyone kind of has that thought, you know, throughout their lives wondering, you know, like when you ask your parents, like, what was it like going to high school and all that stuff? You kind of totally. see yourself there be like, what would have been like to be friends with my parents? And Oh, yeah. I mean, awesome. being in classrooms, depending on what age I'm teaching at the time, I even think about what I was like in elementary school because I don't know. I had that perception mm-hmm. of what and who I was. But if I was my age looking at a kid, that was me. Yeah. Would I even like myself? Would I be this annoying little brat or who knows? Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy to think about. Uh, one of the big staples of the Back to the Future movies is the DeLorean, the big time machine that they have. There were a lot of decisions made as to what they were going to have for a time machine. There were a lot of different thoughts out there. I think they settled on the right choice. I think most people are pretty happy with the DeLorean. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't go with the hot tub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you think about iconic movie vehicles in general, mm-hmm. the DeLorean comes up. Yeah, like it's, it's hugely prominent in just the movie landscape. So uh, initially, Steven Spielberg didn't like the time machine from the first draft. Okay. It wasn't the DeLorean, but he said it was like a big, uh, a bit like a car wash. It was actually a rather large object, a big chamber. Hmm. The DeLorean came later. The time machine was a fixed device. When Bob and Bob came up with the DeLorean, he's referring to Bob Gellin, Robert Zemeckis by saying Bob and Bob. Uh, when Bob and Bob came up with the DeLorean, a four wheeled time machine, everything began making more sense. It could now take them anywhere. Yeah. So they would have had to stay in like one spot. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that I think is smart about and I, it might we might get to this in some of the information. But one of the things that's smart about having a moving time machine is in the rules of Back to the Future's time travel. Mm-hmm. It's not Doctor Who where you can go anywhere in time and space. Like if you're going through time, you can't say, well, I want to end up over there. Mm-hmm. You end up in a different time in exactly the same location that you left one time. Yeah. 
And that's a really smart. It keeps things simpler, I think. Yeah, definitely. You don't have to worry about like making sure there wasn't a tree there 200 years ago. You right, can be right. Wherever you need to be. Right. Depending on where you go, though. I mean, if you go back too far, mm. the whole environment could be different and you could run into something which they kind of got into here and there. Like even in part two. They're coming coming back to 1985, and mm-hmm. there's like an airplane oh, all yeah. of a sudden that clearly wouldn't have been there in 1955. So yeah, or in the first movie where Marty drives into the barn, right, yeah. right. So those things are still going to happen, and not only create great movie moments, mm-hmm. but uh, it, yeah, just the simplicity of having something that they had to move around, and it limits them too. Yeah, like they're not going to end up in various countries. It keeps the movie more contained and a little more simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the version where Doc Brown had this time chamber, the bigger one, Marty didn't understand what it was. He thought it was this thing that was going to shoot off this big electrical discharge. He was so despondent about how messed up his life was, he was going to commit suicide. Ooh. Ultimately, it was decided that they couldn't have a main character be someone who wants to kill himself. That's a dark movie. Right? Wow. Yeah. So he wasn't even planning on time traveling. He was just going to go into this big chamber to kill himself and then eventually time travel as a result. That, yeah, I wonder if that would have gone into like a like it's a wonderful life type of thing or like he goes back in time and like sees what his life was. Right, or right. Something. Or sees how his parents are different than him or kind of learns more about different people because yeah. of the different people that exist then. Yeah, so there's a lot of ways it could have gone. I'm glad that it didn't go that way because I totally understand that decision. Like you have to have some sort of relation mm-hmm. or even just like or identify with the main character if you're really going to buy into a movie, I think. So, yeah. Growing up, I thought Marty McFly was the coolest person ever. Exactly. Right. He was he was amazing. And they probably inspired a lot of characters like Ferris Bueller Mm -hmm. um, and then Parker Lewis as a result, like all those kind of really cool characters. And sure, Marty had his weaknesses that became evident as the trilogy unveiled itself. But yeah, Marty was the man. Mm -hmm. Still is. (laughs) Uh, The DeLorean was used mostly to create a joke they had planned in the movie. When the time machine arrives in the past, they wanted the people in the farmhouse to think it's an alien spaceship. Mm-hmm. That was the main reason they chose a DeLorean over other things. Yeah. I mean, it's got the, like, the wing doors and mm-hmm. stuff, and it's really, you know, compared to 1950s cars, it's out of nowhere. Right. So it, it totally fits. fits the mold. Also, in the original idea, they were going to end the movie at a Nevada nuclear test site. Marty would bring the time machine out into the desert, and Doc Brown hooked up a device that was going to harness the energy released at detonation to send the DeLorean back to 1985. So instead of the clock tower, Mm -hmm. they were going to do like a nuclear test site. That's crazy. Uh, They couldn't end up doing this because they were over budget. Mm -hmm. So they put the clock on the courthouse and worked with that, which ended up being a better ending as it kept the movie in Hill Valley and used the clock imagery to go along with the time travel theme. I like it. Yeah, it makes way more sense when you think about it, like going out into the desert. I'm happy because I don't like desert as a movie environment. I've said that before. I don't like open like blank landscape and that seems like it's gonna have a whole myriad of other problems if if doc is sending marty time traveling as the result of nuclear detonation and marty does it successfully where does that leave doc in the nuclear fallout yeah or how about when marty appears in the future who's to say there's not more bomb testing going on exactly yeah so (laughs) Yeah, very good change to make to use the clock tower instead. And the clock tower becomes, uh, in later movies, even more important yeah. as it seems to be tied into the whole kind of central. It's a central piece. Like in part two, Biff's casino is in place of the clock tower. Mm-hmm. When you get to part three, it's a part of that as well. They're unveiling the clock. Exactly. Yeah. So 
it is a huge uh, kind of commonality element through all the movies. Uh, casting Marty McFly. This was, and I think most people know mm-hmm. about kind of the uh, the fact that Michael J. Fox was not the first person they filmed as Marty McFly. They had a huge thing with Eric Stoltz. Yep. However, Michael J. Fox was the initial casting choice. Uh, but the studio had a deadline in mind, and he was unavailable due to his commitment to family ties, which he was also filming at the time. After the screen tests, it came down to C. Thomas Howell and Eric Stoltz. Sid Sheinberg, the head of Universal at the time, said it's got to be Eric Stoltz. After six weeks of shooting, Bob Gale brought 45 minutes of the film cut to Spielberg because he didn't feel the comedy was playing well enough, and Spielberg agreed. While Stoltz was a fine actor, he just didn't match the vibe that they had in mind. It was painful for everyone to deal with and cost the studio millions of dollars. Yikes. That's a setback. Yeah. I'm amazed that they had 45 minutes worth showing and then kind of like went back on that decision. Like that is that is a huge way into filming. Like six weeks might not seem like that much, but some movies only shoot for two to three months. Yeah. So oh, that's yeah. like half the shooting time of a normal movie. Mm-hmm. So to backtrack at that point is a big deal. With Steven's backing, they brought the situation to Sid, who ultimately let them do what they thought was best. Spielberg met with the creator of Family Ties, and Michael J. Fox agreed to basically shoot both projects simultaneously. He was, like, totally wiped out That's crazy. during the whole filming process. Like, they would, a lot of Back to the Future shot at night. Mm-hmm. So he would film Family Ties during the day yep. and then go shoot Back to the Future at night, get, like, minimal sleep and repeat That's over and nuts. over again. Yeah. But I mean, at that age, it's a lot easier to do than, True. <laughs> than where we are now. But still props to him for making it all work. And it wouldn't have been. I don't know if you've seen the footage with Eric Stoltz. Uh, like briefly, but I didn't watch it recently. OK, yeah. They released it, I think, in like 2010. Mm-hmm. Some of it hit the Internet. And it's clear that there was just something lacking in the charisma. Yeah. And he's a yeah. fine actor. Yeah, I'm nothing sure. to him. It just wasn't the right fit. No, no. Like Michael J. Fox just was Marty McFly. He's mm-hmm. a, it's when an actor really defines a character. Like I know there's been talk and we've debunked it and they've officially debunked it at this point that there's not going to be a back to the future part four mm-hmm. or a reboot of any sort whatsoever. You can't recast Marty McFly in the same way that I think you can't cast like Indiana Jones. Like the actor has defined the character so much that you can't separate the two. Absolutely. Like, that actor can go on and play other characters for sure, mm-hmm. but you can't have someone else come in and play that character because the nuances of that actor are so specific that it just wouldn't be the same character anymore. I agree, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, looking at part two, there was no intention of having a sequel from the beginning at all. Mm-hmm. The flying car, most people probably thought that based on that end scene, they're like, oh, we're going to get more. The flying car at the end was a joke, not a hint at more to come. The first was so successful, though, that the studio wanted more and were determined to make it happen. Gale and Zemeckis agreed to return so they could protect the world they had created, which they're still doing to this day. Absolutely. Hence the no reboot or anything. At the time, Zemeckis was off making Roger Rabbit, so Gale wrote most of the first draft on his own. In the original third act of the movie, Marty would go back to 1967 instead of 1955. Biff would have ended up with the Sports Almanac in 1967 because they wanted to see what the 60s would be like for these characters. George McFly would have been a college professor, and Lorraine would be a flower child. Hmm. So just to see it in another decade instead of, like, going back and stepping through again, kind of retreading the steps from the first movie. Yeah. It would have just been a whole decade later. I personally like the decision they made because I feel I like too. jumping into another new setting would have made the movie feel even longer and more disjointed. I agree. 
not only is it nice to have that familiarity of the stuff from the first movie, Mm -hmm. but it's ridiculously cool to kind of see like the in-between spots that we didn't in the first movie. Yeah. Where they're kind of weaving through it unseen. Mm -hmm. It's so cool to see it from a different angle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really well done. As well as seeing just the 30 year gaps of contrast be like, you know, here's the fifth, the, you know, 2015 mm-hmm. future. Here's the, the dystopian 85. But right, then you go right. back to the, the fifties and it's like, wow, look at, look at the big changes. Right, right. Like a 10 year span. Sure. There was a lot of change between the fifties and the sixties or getting close to the seventies at that point, but mm-hmm. it's not going to be as far off to be like, it, it could cause some like kind of visual blurring. Yeah. Or time blurring as in like, oh, this time period versus that period. They're not separate enough to really separate in my brain. Right. So having the bigger gap, like you said, definitely helps them out. Uh, the movie they really wanted to make was the third one to pay off the Doc Brown character and doing all the Western stuff. But the script was 165 pages long. Wow. These days they would have just made a two and a half hour movie. But in those days that didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, the solution was to approach the studio with the idea of splitting up the long script into two more movies instead of trying to stuff it all into one, to which they agreed. Hmm. So they filmed uh, Back to the Future 2 and 3 pretty much concurrently, okay. right after each other. Uh, and Zemeckis said that that took a toll on him, for sure. I can imagine. I feel like this entire trilogy was uh, took a lot of effort from everyone that was oh, yeah. involved. Absolutely. But that happens, I think, more often now these days when... Like people like the idea of a trilogy. Mm-hmm. So when the first movie does really well, they say, okay, well, we'll do two more. Yeah. Like why just do, they used to commit to like a sequel, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. now they definitely commit to like a, ter- a second and a third almost like right away. Yeah. So in that time, I think that was a rare thing to do was to say, let's make a full trilogy. They almost never committed that far out. True. But that's how well the first movie did to really say, okay, well, you guys have some leeway. Mm-hmm. Sure, let's do two more. Yeah. And if you look at like the release dates of each of these movies, like they all came out within like a five year span. Yeah. Like versus like, you know, like Star Wars where, you know, you have big gaps of time in between. Yeah, each, which is each insane. One. Yeah. So insane. Uh, Crispin Glover started making all these weird demands. So they decided to make the movie without him. The result was the creation of a world where George McFly is dead. Mm-hmm. And I know there was a huge lawsuit as a result of using his likeness yeah. and some of his audio clips from the first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it actually rewrote some of the rules for the Screen Actors Guild. Yeah. And instead of going to court, Universal actually settled with Crispin Glover. He got something like $750,000. Oh, wow. I couldn't find settlement. any number for that. But yeah, wow. it was in that general ballpark. Hmm. Pretty crazy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, also, Claudia Wells had to drop out as Jennifer because of her mother's health, leading to Elizabeth Shue taking the role for part two. All of the scenes from the end of part one were reshot with Shue to kind of uh, make our brains work <laughs> properly with that. Obviously, they couldn't show Claudia Wells in the beginning of part mm-hmm. two and then go forward with the switch right away. Honestly, un- unless it's like the main character, I usually don't notice when a secondary or tertiary character switches. Mm-hmm. So I'd never really like even notice this until I started looking into Back to the Future trivia. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Just recently? Or, or no, like I, I noticed this a while ago, but okay. just like in general, like those types of things don't really stand out to me. Sure, sure. I think that when I was a kid and watching these, mm-hmm. this might have been the first series of movies where I ever saw a recasting like that. Oh, wow. Because I can't think of one that happened before this that I saw. Mm-hmm. 
where a character had been recast for like a second or third movie or anything like that. So this might have been my first exposure to the recasting thing. And I don't think I necessarily picked up on it as much as a kid. It Mm -hmm. probably was like, oh, that's different. But not being like, oh, that's a different person. Like, oh, she dyed her hair or something like that. Like, I probably wasn't noticing as much at that time. But Mm -hmm. uh, it's obviously very evident now, especially considering the level of fame that Elizabeth Shue has reached since. Yeah. They all agreed it was a strange movie, part two, with a tone that was darker than intended. It also wasn't marketed as the middle of a trilogy. So some people were upset thinking part two was going to be a complete story in itself. Zemeckis has stated that it's the most interesting movie he's ever made, saying it's genuinely out there. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. I mean, it doesn't it like starts picking up from where the first movie ended. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't have its own like introduction and then it ends on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. So it, it in and of itself was not designed as a uh, whole movie. Right. So. It was definitely a bridging movie. Mm-hmm. I also remember, though, as a kid being like part two is my favorite back to the future movie yeah but i think it was mostly because all of the future stuff Mm -hmm. like as a kid i was like whoa hoverboards whoa holograms whoa self-drying jackets like all that stuff was so cool to me yeah i was attracted to the novelty of Mm -hmm. the movie for sure now part one is clearly the strongest and best of them i agree but at the time i was like yeah part two man hoverboards yeah <laughs> just because i was a kid that wanted the cool future stuff yeah and like as you said how like there, there initially wasn't supposed to be a part two or a part three the mm-hmm. first one is made as a contained movie it, right it, it really feels like it tells a whole story and resolves it right absolutely uh and then part three the direction for part three was that they felt everything had been covered with marty's family so they'd instead focus on doc brown and do the most insane thing they could think of doc brown in love Apparently, mm-hmm. Back to the Future Part 3 was Christopher Lloyd's first on-screen kiss. Really? Wow. Right? Wow. And he was not, like, some newbie actor or whatever. He had definitely done plenty of stuff beforehand. No kidding. But, yeah, this was his first on-screen kiss. Uh, they shot in Monument Valley, where it was really, really cold, about minus 8 degrees. It looks warm and sunny, but as soon as Emeka said cut, the wardrobe people were running in there with jackets. Holy smokes. I did not know that. Me neither. That's insane. You'd think like breath would be more noticeable. That was my first thought. Yeah. So I don't know if that was like they didn't have the digital skills that we do now. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they did something about that or what how they handled it. But yeah, you don't like notice people's breath coming out or anything. No. To the (laughs) Blu-ray. Right. (laughs) See if it's still in there. Uh, They all love part three, the emotional story paired with the horrible moral dilemma they put Doc Brown in, along with it being a Western, which they thought was just plain fun. Yeah, no, definitely. It was a lot of fun just seeing, you know, a a Western with familiar characters. Mm -hmm. That was neat. I think it's accepted somewhat that part three is the weakest of them. And I think it has to do with the genre change Mm -hmm. because it does go from being the first two are very sci-fi fantasy and very uh all time travel based mostly yeah and then part three is like in the past and old timey and western and it just feels so different that it doesn't feel as much like a back to the future movie i agree and i think that's i don't think it's necessarily the weakest of the even though it might be i haven't watched part three in a long time Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna have to kind of refresh my brain but it's probably still my least favorite of the three yeah, I can agree with that. I think it would be cool if there was a little more like sciency to it. Like mm-hmm. if they spent more time with trying, you know, to find a new fuel source with the DeLorean or if they kind of made the DeLorean a little more prevalent instead of just hiding it in the cave the whole time. Right, but, right. Yeah. I mean, everyone loves a time travel train. But. Exactly. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so taking a look then, because it is 2015, at the technology within Back to the Future Part 2, uh, Damien did a whole bunch of research as to some of the things that we saw in the movie, kind of what the movie got right, what is kind of on the way to maybe while well, we're getting, even though we're not there quite yet, and then some things that we don't have at all as a result. But uh, what do you got for us? All right. So uh, just starting off with things that the movie was able to predict either on the money or relatively close to mm -hmm. at different points in the second movie, you see thumbprints being an important thing. Um, the uh, getting into the door in the uh, the McFly house, and at one point Biff pays the taxi cab with his thumbprint, right? Like one hundred seventy four dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They also got inflation, right? Right. Yeah, huge. Um, uh, we you know we have thumbprint scanners like on our phones. That's what, right. That's, that's crazy. like everywhere now. Um, and then we don't necessarily have like our thumbprints connected to like payment things, mm -hmm. but we have NFC devices. You know, your smartphone, your smartwatch. Some people have like NFC like rings that you can pay at uh, right, right. places that accept. Uh, those types of payments. Um, so, like, that's pretty pretty close. Absolutely. Pretty accurate. Um, in the McFly house, you see Marty Jr. watching TV, and he's got, like... Six screens. Six screens up with a whole bunch of different channels. Yeah. We have picture-in-picture -picture TV. We do, we do. It's not necessarily as popular as people thought it would be. I don't remember ever watching more than two channels at once, and yeah. even that gives me kind of a headache. <laughs> but it's it's doable. Even from a concept side, I feel like they got the the message of that right mm -hmm. so it's not even so much about the technology of having the picture in picture even though that's definitely a piece of it mm -hmm. but it's more about the just one guy sitting down to watch six channels simultaneously just the inundation of technology that we have on us now the constant stream of different stuff all the time yeah that was a prediction that definitely i think lines up to now very true and i like how that contrasts to back in like the first movie where it's like marty makes a joke or not makes a joke, but like with a like, so do you have a TV? And he's like, yeah, I've got two of them. Right. And like, that was like a huge a deal. deal. Yeah. And now like in this one, you know, watching six at six once. Six screens on one. Yeah. TV. Uh, to also go with TVs, flat screen TVs. Yes. Uh, they got that right. When was the last time you saw a CRT in someone's house exactly. nowadays? Yeah. On the, on that TV, we see that uh, there's a uh, video uh, call mm -hmm. that Marty takes with needles. Yep. Um, we have Skype. We have Google Hangouts and Vuvu. Yep. That's totally on the money. All the video chat. It's not still as common as like picking up and calling the phone true but it's definitely here like the technology exists for yeah sure absolutely and then one of uh my favorite quotes in the movie is when Mar marty goes back to the cafe 80s mm -hmm. and he sees the wild gunman arcade oh machine. yeah yeah and the kids they get it working and like how do you play it? he's like oh, i'm a crack shot i'll show you how to do this yeah and then he goes in bam 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 you know does everything right and he's like a game you have to use your, you have to play with your hands that's like a baby's toy. Right. And it's like, whoa. But then you think about it. We have like the Kinect. We have the the PlayStation cameras mm -hmm. and we have we're working on VR um, motion controls. Exactly. Uh, that's that's all here. And it's only getting better. And fun fact about those two boys mm -hmm. at the arcade. One of them is the first on screen appearance of a major movie actor. Oh, yeah. Elijah Wood from Lord of the Rings. Oh, Frodo. No kidding. One of those kids is Elijah Wood. Wow. Yeah. Well, not a bad start. Right. That's cool. Um, if anybody follows sports, the Chicago Cubs are currently in the playoffs. And oh. in the second movie, they're predicted to win the World Series over a, a Miami team. Uh, fun fact, at the time in like the 80s when they were filming this, there was no Florida team at all whatsoever mm -hmm. in baseball. Uh, we have two now. Neither of them are in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And... 
technically the only team that's actually called like Miami is also in the same like league as okay. the Cubs, so they couldn't actually play in the World Series. Right. But we have a potential for the Cubs to win the World Series in 2015. That's pretty crazy. And like I I'm I'm on the bandwagon for it. Like I grew up as a Red Sox fan and like yeah. I, I was it was like a big deal when the Red Sox won the World Series in yeah. 2004 after like 86 years. The Cubs have gone even longer. It's right. been over a century since they've won the World and Series. And if it were to be in 2015, yeah, that would be huge. Yeah. And I I do believe I heard that Christopher Lloyd either like tweeted out or put out there that if the Cubs make it to the World Series, he'd be happy to throw out like the first pitch. Like oh, the that's amazing! First pitch. If if they if they'd make it, they need to take him up on that offer. That'd be that would so be amazing, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then one more mm-hmm. that we kind of threw in last minute was camera drones. Oh yeah, camera drones. Camera drones. We uh see in the movie that after Griff and his gang crash into the uh the clock tower mm-hmm. museum. Uh, we see a uh, like a drone come down of uh, USA Today with yep. the news, and drones are becoming a huge thing within the last couple of years. Uh, with you know cameras being used by both amateurs and professionals totally. to take uh, video and all that other stuff. So even though major media outlets aren't using them necessarily for like an overhead shot like that, it's getting there. It's getting there. It's yeah. on the way. Yeah, they're going to be replacing like the helicopters and all that totally. stuff that we normally see. All right, so uh, let's move on to some of the things that they kind of got right. We're, yeah. we're, we're kind of there. We're getting there. <laughs> we're on the way. Um, so one of the first things that we get as soon as uh, Marty and Doc and Jennifer get to the uh, 2015, Doc gets out of the car and like yanks this like film off of his face. Right, right. And he's like, yeah, you know, I had some, uh, some, uh, some work done. He uh, got some plastic surgery. Uh, he got a, a new spleen and a new colon, mm-hmm. changed his blood type, and effectively added 30 years to his life. Right, right. There's definitely been more use of, uh, you know, like plastic surgery in, you know, you see it in celebrities and just the general public, right, Botox, right. all that kind of stuff. We haven't quite got to the part where we can just, you know, mass produce extra organs to replace them. We're on the way. Regenerative medicine yeah. is budding. And We're, cloning of uh, all that stuff. Totally. Yeah. Um, people, I still love yep. the bit, too, of just Doc pulling it off his face. And he's like, don't I look so different? Yeah. <laughs> it's really, yeah. It, okay. it really isn't that big of a difference. No, but it's no. like, all right. And then... um adding you know 30 years to a person's life we're not quite there yet but mm-hmm. i mean people are living longer and we are understanding how aging works right um so that's you know we're, we're on the way for getting that yep and then um griff uh you know uh, biff's grandson yep they mentioned that he has bionic implants mm-hmm. and like you hear robotic moves yes. when he moves and stuff and it's but like, then you look at his wrist and it's like so corny yeah. looking it's so, so funny it's like well we're we're not we're not turning people into cyborgs just no. yet but you know we're, we're, we're getting there with and yet are we not a little bit like with wearable technology, not even just wearable technology, but I mean, like people have metal parts in mm-hmm. them. They have artificial organs. They have True. 3D printed limbs now. So we're we're close. But yeah, this is definitely one that's still on the way. Yeah. As far as like just, oh, I'm going to voluntarily pull something out and stick something else in. I mean, we're not at that point. But the, we have definitely cyborgs in our midst. <laughs> yeah, I guess by definition, yeah, you're right. It's it, it's it is very true. Holograms and projections mm-hmm. uh, all around Hill Valley in 2015. Like you see advertisements, you see screens, you see the the Jaws trailer that yeah, yeah. comes out as like a hologram, and we have projections and stuff. And while that that's definitely a technology that's underway, uh, especially over in like Japan, mm-hmm. they're big on their performances with like hologram you know, dancers and characters. Sure. I believe like there was a show with Snoop Dogg where like they, they projected uh Tupac and yes. it like, looked like he was on yep. stage yep. and all that. Um, you know, that's we're we're definitely getting there. Yeah, totally. Uh another thing, uh 
I heard the best way to character categorize it was um, head-mounted displays, mm-hmm. which is like your, your Google Glass or your HoloLens. Yep. Uh, if you look at like the McFly family when they're all sitting down at dinner, both of the kids have the like these like big goggle, big goggles. Things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That basically fits the mold of what what we're we're seeing. I think one of the funniest parts of it too is the. Uh the the daughters ones have like the LED scrolling phone word yeah. on the outside because the phone is ringing. Yeah, that's so funny. Like, why would anyone else need to see it? I don't know. <laughs> but then that ties in with uh, you know virtual reality gaming again. Like, yeah, like we're getting there where we can have our our technology literally right before our very eyes. It's funny too. Like you look at something like Google Glass, and it really is just that small little frame kind of on your peripheral. Mm-hmm. Like their prediction of it is this thing that envelops our whole eye view. And it's this bigger thing and big and clunky, and we did it better than they even predicted in the movie. Yeah, but then again, you still look at like the Oculus and the PlayStation VR, which are still going to be completely occupying your visual. So there's... The total immersion aspect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It exists. And then automated gas stations, they, they kind of exist. They're not... To the point where they're, you know, having a robot go around your entire car and checking all of the levels before mm-hmm. you're even out of there. But yeah, we're getting there. Do we have that? Um, some, yeah. I, I know that they're playing around with it with a lot, a lot with uh, like the Teslas and like oh, really? electrical cars. Okay, having... well, yeah, I've seen like you go into a Tesla charging station and that's mm-hmm. kind of takes care of itself for the most part. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's a stretch, but we're kind of there. Okay. Then we have some of the things that were kind of made specifically because Back to the Future Part 2 sure. said that we were going to have mm-hmm. them. Uh, first is the the Nike Power Laces. Now, um, I know back in 2011, we see that uh, that Nike put out just fake replicas. They mm-hmm. didn't have the Power Laces, but they looked like the, the air mags that Marty wears when he gets out of the time machine. Right. And I remember hearing that one of the guys at Nike, Nike was like, we're going to have it in 2015, but yeah. I haven't heard any development since. Nor have I. There are still rumors kicking around that there's going to be a major announcement this Wednesday, like on October 21st, that mm-hmm. this is this is going to be, not 21st is going to be the release day, but that they're going to announce a release date for the Nike Power Laces. Got it. That's the word. Mm-hmm. And like we've, we've seen, you know, other people try to make them, yeah. you know, in their, their garage. They kind of work. But most of the people have just kind of created something that pulls the laces tight, exactly, <laughs> like in an automated fashion. Yeah. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah. And then the ever famous hoverboard. Yes. Everyone wants a hoverboard. Everybody wants a hoverboard. We see it in the movie as basically like a children's toy. Mm-hmm. The girls are riding it like on a scooter and it's designed by Mattel. Yeah. Like so that right away would scream. It's, it's like it's a toy. Everyone yep. has one. They're cheap. People, you, you buy it for your kids. Not so much in today's world. No, not at all. Um, you know, there's been uh, many teams that are working on them. Uh, there have been par- plans that have been kickstarted, mm-hmm. and to actually get one is still with like you know like a few grand. Yeah, with no still, promises. Yep. And uh, two different companies. One of them that was partnered up with Lexus. They mm-hmm. put on that TV spot. Um, the technology they used in that were super cooled superconductors. And while it looks like it looked like it worked really well in that skate park, it was likely that the concrete was mixed with magnets right. to kind of give that repelling action that kind of works like a like a magnet train works. Right, like it works great in that environment. Exactly, alone. but you couldn't bring it like in your house or you couldn't bring it like down the street anywhere. And they definitely wouldn't work on water. No, no, wouldn't work on water. <laughs> you bozo! That's yep. one of the best lines of part two. Oh, yeah, that was <laughs> funny. Don't work on water unless, unless you, you have power! <laughs> so good. Yep. And then uh, startup company Arx Packs, which uh, headed to Kickstarter with their Hendo mm-hmm. um, hoverboard, and 
I even got like endorsement from Tony Hawk. They yes. showed off their yep. product, which was admittedly more clunky than, you know, a, like a skateboard would look like. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they had their proof of concept. But again, theirs would only work on like a copper lined surface. Right. So it, we're, we're still not getting the anti-gravity that we would expect from a traditional hoverboard. Sure. But it's, you know, kind it's of on the thing. Way. I don't know if we're actually ever going to get them mm-hmm. because most of these projects were put in place so they'd have something ready by back to the future day sure and once that goes by i don't know if there's going to be a push or motivation for it as right anywhere near what we have the the motivation to do it quickly might not be there anymore but i can still see them wanting some sort of hover technology at some point in the future there is a benefit to having it for sure i mean mm-hmm. anytime you can create less friction true i mean that means less maintenance when it comes to road upkeep or just any kind of like ground surface that you have, like you're not destroying it through the constant use of it that way. True. Hover is going to be a lot less damaging. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get that. Hopefully. And then um, we uh, got a fake trailer yes. for Jaws 19 we that, we, that we see the the hologram pop out uh, and, you know, pretend to eat Marty McFly in the, mm-hmm. in the, in the movie. But um, I think if Jaws movies were being made to the point where we're at Jaws 19, it would have pretty much been Sharknado anyways. Yeah, yeah. We're much more likely to get a Sharknado 19 than we are a Jaws 19. Exactly. And then uh, let's take a look at some of the things that we don't have. That's- oh, before we do, actually, there is one other product made oh. as a result. Uh, Pepsi Perfect. Oh, yeah. They, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, they recently announced that they were making, and it is limited edition still. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily that different from regular pepsi it's Mm -hmm. it's pretty much just using the branding from back to the future and the bottle shape and the bottle shape and using uh the the formula which i think you can still buy is not pepsi perfect instead of having like an artificial sweetener Mm -hmm. they have real sugar okay like that's the big the difference yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so they made six thousand i guess of them okay they were actually giving a lot of them away at new york comic-con oh wow really so uh i know on the thursday there was a Back to the Future documentary panel mm-hmm. about just like, and I mean, this is the time to release it. And everyone in the crowd got a bottle of Pepsi Perfect as oh, they wow. were exiting the panel. Also, they were giving away, there was a Back to the Future whole stand, like right in the main lobby. And they had a DeLorean parked out there. They had mm-hmm. that same guy you see as Marty McFly kind of at all these conventions. I think yeah. his job is just to go around, He's a around professional the DeLorean. Impersonator. Yeah, he looks so much like him. It's ridiculous. And a guy that was kind of Christopher Lloyd looking. Mm-hmm. And they had both of them, but they had a whole Pepsi Perfect stand. And if you went up to that stand while supplies lasted, of course, yeah. uh, in a Marty McFly cosplay that fit a certain amount of conditions, oh. you got a free bottle of Pepsi Perfect there. Neat. Or you could win some through like a different uh, game that you could play. But I think there's only 6,000 bottles. They are going to be going up online. I don't know when. I think that's the only way to purchase it. And I think they retail for like almost 22 bucks. Oh, wow. So, yeah, a bottle. But, I mean, it comes with the bottle, the Pepsi, and it has like a cylindrical kind of container that it comes in, I think, to kind of emulate what came up in the diner. Mm-hmm. And then he took the bottle out of it. It's kind of that idea. Oh, that's neat. So, I don't think you're supposed to buy it and actually like drink, drink it. it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was wondering. I think it's more of like a collectible, like check out this thing that I have. Yeah. So, but then how do you know there's really Pepsi in it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'd, I, I'd keep it and then like drink it in like 40 years and right. see what, what, what happened to it over that Be a time. A little flat. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Cool. All right. So, uh, here's some of the things that either we, we don't have, mm. we don't kind of 
the culture hasn't really gone towards or just aren't impra- aren't practical. Flying cars. We don't have the hover technology. Right. And in terms of flying cars, really the only real prototypes are cars that are designed to also kind of be airplanes. Yeah. Um, they don't really look like what we would expect from floating cars. And we definitely don't have a floating highway system in place no, whatsoever. not at all. Um, oddly enough, though, Back to the Future never really thought of self-driving cars. No, they didn't. And that's something that we do have. That's true. And, you know, we'll see where that technology takes us. But in, in the idea of a giant automobile overhaul, we do we do have a change in technology. Totally. Which is really cool. Even the fact that we're moving away slowly, not fast enough, in my opinion, from fossil fuels to electricity. Mm-hmm. That too is a huge thing. I, I don't think it's something they explored really in Back to the Future too. I mean, there was the Texaco station, yeah, that looked like it was using gasoline. Yeah, but they never explicitly say one way or another right. if it's gasoline fuel or if it's another fuel source. Exactly. What do we got next? The weather. Mm-hmm. When uh, when uh, Marty and Doc get there, and uh, Doc tells Marty to change his clothes, yeah. it's pouring rain, yeah. absolutely pouring rain. He's like, "You want me to get out in this rain?" And Doc looks at his watch and he's like, "Just give it five more seconds." Yeah, and then it just cuts. Yeah, and it's sunny day, and the clouds are gone. We don't have anywhere near that type of control over the weather. <laughs> no, nor can we even predict the weather. No, that well, we're not nowhere even close. near. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a long way off. That would be something that I would appreciate us learning how to do. But that's some Truman Show stuff right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Mister Fusion add-on to the DeLorean mm-hmm. that is able to power the flux capacitor. Yes. Uh, by using virtually any kind of trash, mm-hmm. we are kind of looking into making trash. And like food waste as a fuel source. Yes. But aside from burning it, it's really hard to do. Yeah, it is. And I don't know if we can use it to pump out the same amount of power that plutonium could do. I'm going to go with no. No, probably not. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what uh, what the conversion is into gigawatts, mm-hmm. but I don't think we're anywhere near it. No. Uh, when we're getting first into the, the future, Jennifer, who comes along, mm-hmm. is literally asking all these questions about the future, and Doc is, like, totally uncomfortable with right. it. And it, it's obvious that she wasn't really a part of the plan at all. Mm-hmm. And he knocks her out by using basically a device that controls brainwaves. Yeah, to put her into a sleep-inducing alpha wave generator. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, that's, like, cool, but it's, like, really scary. Yeah. And I don't think I ever want this to be something that gets developed. No. Because, uh, Yeah. That's that's kind of scary. It's like a weapon. It is a weapon. Yeah. It's, yeah. Self-adjusting and self-drying jackets. Yes. Oh, I want. I want that jacket. Yes. That is so cool. Yeah. Not anywhere near in development whatsoever. I mean, we do have clothing that dries better mm-hmm. and kind of fits better, but nothing that's Moisture like- Moisture wicking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we don't have anything that will talk to you nope. and then shrink and nope. then dry itself out. And even blows like air upward to dry his hair and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'd be kind of cool if I had a jacket and could call it Jarvis, but <laughs> not happening. Not anytime soon. Nope. I don't know about you, but I'm not wearing my pants inside out today. Uh, Normally, yes. Today, no. Oh, okay. So you must be with the hip crowd. Totally. Because as far as I, I, I know, people do not wear their pants inside out. No. Like Doc Although explains. all the kids are doing that these days. Apparently so. Yes. Paul O would be interested in this, but if you don't, if you didn't catch it, there's mm-hmm. a point where Doc says that there's been an abolishment of lawyers right. in the judicial system, which is why his son gets 15 years in jail in like two hours right. after being arrested. That's very like Skynet robot type of thing, and I I don't know how I want laws to be enforced that way. If anything, we have more lawyers in yep. 2015. We went the other way on that one. Lots of lawyers. 
going again with clothing, if you look in the antique store, mm-hmm. there's a point where you see that like a hand iron used to iron clothing yeah. is considered an antique. Right. And aside from like steaming your clothes, I don't know of another good way to like keep your clothes from getting wrinkled, even with the technology that they're supposed to be wrinkle free. True. We still need irons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I still use one. I still have one. And it's one of the worst chores ever. Yeah. 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 Uh, suspended animation kennels. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Doc puts Einstein in a suspended animation kennel yeah. uh, when he has to leave him behind uh, uh, in the future. Suspended animation, not really a thing yet. Nope. Nor is it like a thing that we can regularly use on pets. Nope. Um, not even close. That's why the pet hotel business is thriving right now. That's right. Uh, but we'll see if that uh, ever becomes a thing. And then... Doc's crazy goggles. Yes. The big silver things that he wears apparently is uh, a display system that allows him to like see behind him when he's driving. Mm-hmm. We have the, you know, like the backup cams in our car. Right. But I have no idea how that stuff is supposed to work. Right. Pretty cool looking, but we don't got them. I've seen the, the camera things. The goggles definitely don't exist at this point. I do remember when I was younger, they would have the sunglasses mm-hmm. that were like way too wide and actually had like a rear view mirror Did in they? the corners. Huh. So there were kind of like glasses where you could see behind you, but it wasn't this kind of like technological video camera system that Doc had. Gotcha. Well, yeah. That's kind of cool. When we're later in the uh, going to the McFly house at night, we see a dog that's being walked by a floating mm-hmm. little ring. And that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, even I, though it looks creepy as hell, because yeah. it's like a ghost dog walker. It looks almost like another collar. Yeah, it's like exactly. Walking. Yeah, and uh, I I don't even know if we have anything in terms of automated dog walkers at all. Not that I'm aware of. Me neither. Not unless your Roomba can just <laughs> drive <laughs> right? around with just, a leash on it. Yeah. And then uh, the hydration cookers. Oh, this is the best. I know. I wanted this so badly growing up. Yes. Where we yeah we have a uh, dinner being made at the McFly house and. Uh, Marty's mom comes in with like this tiny little disc mm-hmm. from Pizza Hut that's mm-hmm. like supposed to feed everyone. And everyone's like, who's going to eat all that? And right. This thing is only like, you know, a couple inches wide. And she puts it into this Black & Decker hydration machine. Yeah. And in like five seconds, it comes out as like a fully cooked pizza. Steaming hot. Yeah. Like all all the toppings on it and stuff. Yeah. And I mean, the closest we have is like space food mm. that like NASA, you know, engineers to be like dehydrated and all that stuff. But in no way is it going to be a fully cooked meal that no. pops out of a little thing instantly. One of the things I found most fascinating about the hydration cooker is the fact that, like, I, I get the theory behind it. Mm-hmm. Like, you're pumping it not only full of water, but hot water, hence yeah. why it would be steaming hot. But she grabs the pan barehanded. Oh, yeah, you're right. And I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. Uh, we got that, and like I'd imagine, like the crust is like you know not soggy, yeah. and like the everything comes out perfectly. Yeah, that, that's not even close to how it works. No, not at all. But damn, I would love to have that as well. Yeah, yeah. So that wraps up my list of of things that I researched on, and I would like to point that the directors were having fun with this future. Mm-hmm. They weren't necessarily trying to make ultimate predictions. They did consult some t- scientists and stuff. But they also just kind of wanted to throw in as much cool stuff as they felt oh, totally. could possibly happen, even if they knew that the technology was nowhere near being there. Yeah, I think it's funny. Anytime a movie is set somewhere in the future, mm-hmm. I wonder what the process in their brain goes like. Like, how far ahead do we go in the future? And what do we make that future look like to the point where when we actually get to that time, if the movie is still big, like Back to the Future is, and it's still something people are watching, yeah. does it then kind of date the movie because it's no longer, it's not accurate whatsoever? Mm-hmm. Like, in my brain, 
I don't even think about the fact that they're going to 2015. Yeah. I think about the fact that they're going to the future. That's all that matters. It could be any time mm-hmm. to me. It, it matters not. Like, I'm not looking at even when they're in the 50s or wherever. I don't care about the specific time it's set in. For my brain, it goes past, present, future. That's all I care about. And that's a great way to think to look at these movies. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. And then... um. It's it's just like it's like a more enjoyable future, even though it's kind of a darker ish movie. It's more of an enjoyable future than, say, a future that's made of just chrome sure. or a future that's run by robots sure. or whatever. It's like still has a human element to it. It's still grounded in reality somewhat. Like we think about the future being AI taking over mm-hmm. and all this and having robots do everything. I think there are really only a few jobs in the movie that we saw, at least, that were kind of robots instead of people. One being the gas station mm-hmm. that was self-automated and the replacement of the waiters in the 80s diner yep uh those were really the only two things i can think about that were like replacing humans humans were still an active part of society which i think makes it seem like a more probable future even at the time they created it and even still now totally yeah i mean you can go into there are still kind of and maybe this is another one we didn't even think about automated waiters Mm -hmm. uh to the point where i know you can go into like a panera and they have ordering consoles yeah and you go and you hit the buttons of what you want and of course someone's still making it which they probably were well they probably had hydration units (laughs) hydration (laughs) cookers in the 80s diner yeah but people are still like handing you the food or whatever it's not necessarily popping out of whatever but you can go into a restaurant and order on a computer and get your food Mm -hmm. so that's kind of a thing that we have now too which is crazy yeah I think the Cafe 80s was a brilliant move by mm-hmm. them because since most of like the that part of the future takes place in the Cafe 80s, yes. they didn't have to make a futuristic cafe. Right. They could put little stuff here and there, but they didn't have to like come up with, you know, future fashion trends mm-hmm. beyond like clothing that people were wearing and like the people in the uh cafe are still kind of wearing like 80s-ish clothing. So right, it's like right. a very retro scene that was still kind of modern to the person who was watching the movie. I wonder how different Cafe 80s would look now if if the movie was created now Mm -hmm. like the the kind of stereotypes of the 80s have probably changed yeah because they were looking at it while they were there Mm -hmm. and being like what are the big things in the 80s what's the aesthetic of the 80s let's make the cafe diner look like that but now our version of the 80s is probably so different yeah like we look at different things as being like the style choices and the colors and all that so i guarantee cafe 80s would look way different now Mm mm-hmm uh, that's pretty much all I have aside from just the fact that I love Back to the Future. And it's weird that we're at that point I know. for part two. It still is a little weird, but at the same time, it's cool to be able to have the discussions about it. Totally. If yeah. you don't mind me asking, do you kind of remember like the first time you saw Back oh, to the Future? God, no, no, okay. not at all. Do you know maybe about the age? Like, no. Okay. <laughs> I just know I was I was in elementary school for okay. sure, but I don't know. Did you like see it like in the theaters or watch it on TV? Did you get it on VHS? I probably saw it on VHS. Okay. Yeah. Right, cool. Yeah. No, because I, I remember watching it the first time I saw it. I was in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. So this was like, you know, early 2000s. I saw it on TV. Like my dad called me and was like, you should watch this movie. And I was like, yeah. okay. And it was literally like one of like the biggest geek outs of my life. Yeah. I was like, this movie is so cool and like i went to school the next day and like found my best friend at the time who like knew about this movie and we talked about this movie for like three weeks straight yeah and like you know i saw like the second one like very quickly after and then it took forever for me to find the third one to come on yeah but i mean i was huge into this movie oh they 100 percent hold up 
Absolutely. I would say more so than any like sci-fi fantasy thing that came out in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Back to the Future holds up for sure. Totally. Some of the effects are a little dated. Like you see the hoverboards drop and you're like, okay, our CGI looked a little different then. Mm-hmm. But overall, I mean, yeah, this movie holds up for sure. Totally. And it's it's just a well-done movie that just immerses you into mm-hmm. it. So you, you, you forgive anything that looks a little off because yeah. that's the world it's in. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Any other final thoughts before we wrap this up? Uh, no, I just, I want to watch it again. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Put it on right now. Yeah. Uh, for everything else we do, head on over to thegeekgeneration.com. If you use iTunes, please rate the show and write a review. We always appreciate those. You can like us at facebook.com slash thegeekgeneration and follow at geekgeneration on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Night Angel. I know you can follow Damien on Twitter at MC Hammer Bro. That it? Uh, support the show by going to thegeekgeneration.com slash support. You can send emails to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. As always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. Uh, we'll be back next time with more geeky stuff for you when we go back. <laughs> and we're time traveling right now in podcast world because yep. this is all timey-wimey when we go back to the future. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Later. Make it so.